Hi guys. Um, I'm in my new office, so let me just grab my uh, whiteboard. Hang on. Okie dokie. Um, okay, I'm sure that was very graceful looking. So, hi everybody. Um, it is Wednesday night and we are all ready for group coaching in room one. So, I see people are renaming themselves, which I think is so awesome. Um, so, if you would like to be renamed or come on to the chat or be called on for coaching, please rename yourself. Um, and if you don't, then I will do it for you. Um, okay. We have somebody raising her hand already. So let me, um, open up the chat as well. And then we will allow you to talk Jubilee. Hi, Jubilee. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Good. Um, before I get into what I wanted coaching on today, I just want to start it off on a positive note with some coaching wins. Um, so I was on vacation last week. It was my first Euro trip since pre-COVID. Um, and of course, when you're traveling, there's always things that are going to happen, um, like the metro workers all going on strike and you almost missing your tour bus or... Um, you slipping in the shower and hitting your head really hard at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and in the past, I feel like I would have just um, catastrophized over this or, you know, freaked out and say, oh, I'm going to miss the tour or this happened at one o'clock in the morning. I'm going to get no sleep. And I was just so happy with how calm I was. I said, you know, you're going to waste more time freaking out about this. And you know what? Everything worked out in the end. That is awesome. Yeah, I felt unrecognizable compared to other vacations. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. When we get to the point in this work when you're like, I'm unrecognizable, that is a good thing. I have been there. Like, I'm yeah. still unrecognizable. I don't even know who the fuck I am compared to <laughs> who I was like five years ago. It's crazy. Um, um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I was actually traveling with my sister for the second half of the trip. And, you know, when you're traveling with someone else, things can get tense and yeah. there was no tension. And even she was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? That's so good. Um, That's so good. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to talk about today um, is, so I just came back from the trip two days ago mm -hmm. and I decided to take yesterday off to get over my jet lag, which I was proud of myself for doing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, obviously, you know, you go on vacation, you come back to the real world. It's sort of the same problems that you had. Mm -hmm. um, but what really surprised me is almost as soon as I woke up yesterday, I was so anxious of, you mm -hmm. know, about being back to the real world and, you know, work and personal life and this and that. And, um, you know, I knew my vacation high would not last forever, but yeah. I was last for a few days. So I was just very, um, caught off guard by just waking up and immediately, you know, having this visceral anxiety reaction. What did it feel like? Um, it felt, um, a little bit of nausea, but a lot of, I felt like tightness in my chest. I'm writing this down. Um, anything else? that you noticed about how your body felt? Um, no, it was really just those two. Okay. And so what were you thinking that created that? Um, you know, it's funny. It was almost like subconscious because I felt like it happened as soon as I woke up before I even thought any thoughts. But, um, you know, when I thought about it a little more, I think it was thought was well back to the same shit. Um, so feelings are amazing because feelings are like our body's communication. 
So what do you think that anxiousness or the nausea or the tight chest, what do you think that was signaling to you? Um, or if you didn't think about it at the time, what do you imagine now? Like, if you think about it now, what do you imagine it was signaling to you? You know, when I was away, I felt like I was very much away. Um, I thought, oh, I haven't operated in a month, but it was only 10 days. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually had another job interview before I left for vacation. But when I was away, I was like, oh, that's so silly. Like everything's not everything's fine, but just work through it and just stay where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so I felt like, oh, I had this perspective. Things are maybe not so bad, but Mm -hmm. then I think when I came back, it's like, well, actually everything's the same. Nothing's really changed since you've been away. Okay. So I felt like it was okay. Nothing's actually changed. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's reflective of your thought, which is well back to the same shit, like same shit implies nothing has changed. Yeah. So then from that feeling of anxiousness, what did you do? Um, again, this sort of felt a little bit out of my control. I was getting um, a bit tearful, not like frank out, frankly crying, but getting tearful. And I was able to kind of rein myself in. Laundry is a good distractor. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was sort of just kind of all happened without me feeling like I had any control over it. So I'm just going to put think and feel out of control. I don't know who can actually see this. Like if you're listening on your phones or whatever, um, but I like to write out the model. And then what else? What else did you do from the anxiousness? Anything else? Um, I was being very avoidant. Um, Now, since I was technically off yesterday, I said, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to turn on my phone or look on my schedule until a little bit later, but I did it like quite late in the evening. Can you say that one more time? Um, I felt like I was being a little bit avoidant. So I was, I took yesterday off. So I didn't really have any responsibility to respond to anything at work. But I said, okay, by such and such time, I will log into the computer, look at my schedule, open, I have a work phone, turn the work phone on, but I ended up not doing it until later in the night because I was like, well, I don't want to see what's <laughs> waiting for me. Okay. Oh, okay. So I get you. What were you, um, like, I know you were, you mentioned the out of control part, but what were you thinking through the day? Um, was anything looping? Yeah, like dread for having to go to work today, which is extremely unusual for me. Like even as a PGY2 with a terrible lifestyle, I've never really dreaded going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically like you had this day off that could have been a recovery day, but really it was more of like a, um, just like a yucky day. Yeah. Like, um, I was hoping to be relaxed yet productive and mm-hmm. I don't think I was actually any of those things. Yeah. Um, I did get all my laundry done, which is a win <laughs> after you've been away. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So like, we're thinking you're back to the same shit and like, it's immediate now. Like we're immediately in the shit because of the way, you know, thinking about it like that rather than having one more day off immediately in the shit. Yeah. So that's not a problem, you know, like it's normal. A lot of times people come back and it's like back to the grind. So I guess my question is, is, is this a problem? If so, why? Um, I think to me, it felt like a problem because this is very atypical for me. Um, Maybe it's because I've never taken the day off after. Um, I usually just go straight to work and then there's really no time to think about it because you're so tired and jet lagged. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's very atypical for me to be like, oh, great, like wonderful vacation back to the real world. And oh, by the way, I hate going to work. 
So that's why it felt like a prom because to me that doesn't seem like a normal reaction to returning from vacation. Another way in which you're unrecognizable. Is that fair? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be unrecognizable in a good way, not a bad way. (laughs) But maybe it is. Like, I don't know. It's, um, I think a pretty common thing to like, not really be super excited to get back into things, but maybe I'm just speaking out of my own experience here and we could certainly invite commentary in the chat, but, um, if you're looking at that and you're like thinking automatically back to the same shit, what is the shit? Um, I think it's more, and I know a lot of people are going through this because we hear it with coach here and in, you know, some uh, Facebook groups I'm in, Mm -hmm. I think it's, oh, I have to exert so much energy, like so much extra energy that I think I shouldn't have to, you know, because of staffing issues and this and that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it feels like it's in the shit because I think work has been more tiring than it normally is. And mm-hmm. I know other people are going, I, basically every doctor's, every person's going through it. Um, so yeah. I try to remind myself, well, I'm not the only one, but I think it can seem very overwhelming that, okay, how much brain power do I need to exert doing like non-doctor things today or tomorrow when I go back to work? That's an interesting question. One I actually ask myself a lot, how much power do I need to exert really for anything? I'm constantly asking that, like your energy is a precious resource. And certainly when we're kind of stuck in a thought model that we're like, we're back to the same shit and you feel anxious and then, you know, distract yourself and avoid. And like, basically the day kind of sucks. The day becomes shitty that's a certain energy drain. And then also all the things you just described could be an energy drain. So how, how would you like to, um, manage your energy? I have definitely become more aware of where I spend my energy. I don't know that I'm conserving it any better, but I'm trying to. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would like to not waste my energy on things that don't need to be wasted on, um, or things that like, I don't need to waste on right at that moment, you know, maybe you waste it another time, but, um, maybe not at that time. Okay. So do you think that this was a waste of energy? Yes. Um, and I did try to tell myself, well, you know, they hired more medical assistants next week or last week when I was away. How do I not know that it's going to be better staffed today? Um, But yeah, I do think it was in general, a waste of energy to have those feelings and think about it during the day yesterday. So I think that could be like the best lesson we can get out of this for, for me and for everybody, because I actually don't think it's a problem to like, you know, come back from an awesome vacation and be like, well, back to the same shit and then feel anxious about returning to work. But then where it becomes a problem is when we judge it and we're like, now I'm wasting energy. And like, it just becomes like a a spiral that, that drains you of more energy and more energy and more energy. So like the things we do to avoid feeling something, like if we avoid feeling anxious, it's totally normal to do that but then it ends up making the anxiety last or intensify. Or um, then if we heap judgment on top of it, it's like just becomes more and more and more of an energy suck. So figuring out how to increase your tolerance for feeling anxious and then being able to like, like lean into the feeling and let it kind of like crest like a wave and then fall and then dissipate and just be done with it is like a superpower. So you mean like not judging it in terms of not saying, okay, well, it's bad to be anxious coming back from work, uh, coming back from vacation. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And like, so I did this last night as a matter of fact. So let me tell you, um, I just felt crappy last night. I don't know why it was like an awesome day. I had an awesome day. The OR was amazing. Like, you know how you just sometimes have those great days 
And I came home and got super overwhelmed because I gave my notice to my group two weeks ago and I'm like overwhelmed with, you know, worrying about money and my house is a disaster and nobody's gotten groceries. And I just like got overwhelmed and then I became pissed and I wanted to drink alcohol and there's nothing, I don't want to come across as judgy in any way because people, you do what you want. But for me, I knew that that wasn't going to help. And I knew that judging myself for feeling shitty wasn't going to help. And so I just felt shitty and I was an asshole. I was an asshole last night to my kid. And I was an asshole last night to my, my husband. And I didn't apologize for it because I was just like, you know what? I just don't feel good right now. And, 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 and I just sort of took care of myself. I let it be there. And I just kept being gentle saying, you know what? It's, it's not going to last forever. And when I feel like it last night, I was feeling my assholeness in my back. Everything was super, super tight in my back. So I took a hot bath and I like relaxed and I watched some garbage on Hulu about people who homestead. And then I went to bed and woke up this morning and it was all fine. So I guess the point is, is that I could have made it like mean so much more like, oh, why are you being so, why are you, why are you having these emotions? Like, why are you not paying attention to your kid? Why did you just snap at your husband and like judging myself for it? But I didn't, I was just like, yeah, I don't feel good right now. End of story, period. Um, so I'm, I'm saying this to encourage people to just allow yourself to have the emotion that you have and maybe even learn how to like really feel the emotion, like experience it and let it kind of move through you and then dissipate rather than, um, what we ordinarily do as human beings, which is try to avoid it or resist it or numb it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's kind of how you're describing how you lean into it and kind of ride it like a wave and then let it go forever. Yeah. And that's going to look different for different people. And I sure would encourage anybody to comment on how they do this or practice it. The key is practice. And um, I can tell you how I started practicing, but it's going to look different for different people. And we all have kind of a different window of tolerance for emotions. And so we're at like a different kind of level. Um, But in the beginning, when I was having a really, really hard time feeling my emotions, I just started with itemizing where it was located and what it felt like, kind of like how we get a history and it's like location, um, what is it like L M N O P or whatever in the HPI, like, um, what makes it better or worse? What's the quality of the pain? Is that what it was? P elemental PQ. I don't know. I never learned that acronym. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, have a thing in my head that I use. Yeah. So I would just be like, okay, like location intensity, um, the quality of what it felt like, like any sort of descriptive terms. And I would try to get as granular as possible, like really, really nail down what the motion, what it feels like in my body actually. So that's why I kind of asked you to name, like, what did it feel like? You said nausea and tightness in your chest. And, um, that's kind of was my window in, and then here's a little trick for people that are starting to kind of lean into their emotions. It can be kind of scary sometimes because we're not really used to leaning into our emotions and, and it can feel like a little bit, you know, scary. So one fun trick to do is if you notice that you're like feeling a little bit unstable, leaning into the emotion, then you can draw your attention to a completely safe place in your body, which like for me is my pinky toe. Like I have no I have nothing attached to my pinky toe or really even all of my toes. So then I can just bring my attention to my pinky toe and keep breathing and let that discomfort kind of calm down a little bit. And then I can return my attention to whatever the unpleasant emotion was that I was really trying to feel. Um, so that's a nice little trick to help improve your window of tolerance. Interestingly, there's research done on this where you, you kind of go back and forth between that sense of imagining the safe part and then going back to the uncomfortable part. If you go back and forth, back and forth, it over time 
expand your ability to feel the discomfort. Um, so are you like, uh, characterizing the pinky toe or are you kind of, are you characterizing the stuff that you feel? And then when you feel anxious about it, then focusing on the pinky toe. Yeah. So for me, um, so one of the things that I've really had a process is anything that creates nausea for me because I have a phobia of vomiting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, like anything that would get me on that path where I thought I was going to throw up would cause like really, really intense anxiety. And it was very, very frightening. So what I would do is I'd be item, like itemizing the way it felt in my body. And sometimes I journal it and sometimes I wasn't, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Sometimes I'm not writing this shit down. Um, and then if I felt like I was getting really uncomfortable, like my, like my anxiety was rising and I was like starting to get panicky, then I would just imagine my pinky toe and I'd be like, okay, my pinky toe feels empty. Like I, I don't have any sensations inside my pinky toe. I can feel my sock or I can feel the carpet or whatever. And like really kind of like focus my attention on the pinky toe. And then once my body was calm, then I could return to the nausea. Okay. And then when you're doing the HPI with the nausea, are you saying like it, you feel it in this part of your stomach and you feel it rising to this level or how do you do that? That's exactly right. I would get like super descriptive. So another one that I get a lot is tightness in my traps. So I like imagine the attachments of the traps easy to do for an orthopedic surgeon. Cause like, I know where all that stuff is, but I would imagine where it where it originates, where it inserts. I would imagine the muscle fibers. I would like really try to think, okay, is it a burning sensation? Is it warm? Is it cold? Is it tight? Is it, um, is it hard, firm? Um, like all those types of descriptive type things, um, which you could do for any, any sensation. Okay. And then what do you do after you've done your HPI or do you just do your HPI until the feeling kind of resolves? Yeah. So interestingly, the feeling just kind of resolves. And so then it's like, if, especially if you're breathing through it and you don't even have to really pay close attention to your breathing, just make sure you're breathing in and out. Um, then after you're done with it, you'll check in and notice, oh, it's not that bad now and you'd be able to keep breathing. And then it just sort of dissipates and goes away. And then, you know, it's great because when you get, um, when you develop the ability to feel an emotion and kind of like stick with it, it's, it becomes, um, easier and easier and easier and easier, the more you practice. So then, you know, that if it, if it comes back later in the day or 10 minutes later, or five minutes later, it's, it's like, oh, okay. I just, I just rode this wave. This is just another wave coming here. I'm just going to jump and ride it again. And it seems like it's a, like a lot of mental energy to do that, but you're going to be doing mental energy anyway, right? Like there's mental energy either way, but this expands your capacity to feel it doesn't contract. It. So it's really powerful. Okay. And it sounds like it really doesn't take you more than a few minutes to do it. Probably, probably a minute or less. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so just kind of describe it, you know, every part. So for me, it'd be, you know, where the nausea is, where it's going, where exactly the chest tightness is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just until uh, for me in this example, until that anxiety feeling is gone. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's good to know. I will definitely try that. And then also if it's not going away, be very compassionate with yourself. Like this is just nausea. Like sometimes, um, the the person that we did our coach training with Brooke Castillo, she has anxiety at baseline. And she says that her anxiety is just, she imagines it as a purse. And some days she just has her purse and her, she's just carrying the purse with her. She still goes on about her day and does her things. And she just is like, okay, well, today we just have the purse along. So there's, there's another kind of like mental way to imagine just having this thing with you as you move throughout your day. Um, so that you don't have to judge yourself if it's not going away. I think the issue arises when, when we're so like, when we don't want to feel it and we want to resist, avoid, or numb, 
because then it, it, um, temporarily we have the temporary perception that it goes away, but it's not gone. And then as soon as you're not avoiding distracting or numbing, it's like there in full force. It's like, it hasn't been processed. It's just been kind of put off. Um, there was one other thing I just thought of, I wanted to bring up and now I can't remember what it was. Um, if it comes back to me, I'll say it. Um, so, you know, talking about not doing the avoiding or whatever. Um, so in this case yesterday, when I was feeling the anxiety, I said, well, how do you know that tomorrow's not going to be better because they've hired the staff since I've been away. And it was, you know, a little better than I expected today. It was still a shit show, but it was a better staffed shit show. Um, and it turns out that in the last week, a lot of the staff has, requested to work with me only. So I actually got more staff than I normally had. So in that, which is great, because now they're all like competing with each other to do a better job so that I'll pick one of them to be like my Mm -hmm. primary medical assistant. Um, But is it a, I know we're trying not to use judgmental words, but is it a bad thing to kind of rationalize it and say, well, how do you not know that, or how do you know that tomorrow's not going to be better or not going to be less of a shit show and then kind of put the thought away and avoid it until you get to the situation? Like, is that a bad thing to do? Not at all. That's an evolved thing to do. So guys, we all have the reticular activating system in your brain, which is like your giant brain filter. And so often when, once the filter is set, all we see is what that filter is set for. So when you're thinking, well, back to the same shit show, that's all your brain will want to see. That's just the way our brains are wired. So if you have the evolved thinking to consider an alternative, like, well, maybe it's not going to be a shit show. How do I know it's going to be a shit show? Like, what if something has changed? That tells me that this work that you're doing is like helping you to unlock and actually then help your reticular activating system filter information differently because we're so used to black and white thinking. It's like good or bad, happy, sad, you know, black, white, but really like there's a smorgasbord of options available about, you know, the way the day could go any given day. We never have control over any of it. And we just think we do. So to me, it sounds like you are, your brain is opening up to consider other possibilities, which is awesome. Okay. Yeah. I think that's how I was able to control myself yesterday. Cause that my visceral reactions, I didn't feel for, I felt for like maybe a couple hours Then I was like, okay, you know, you're going to work tomorrow. Just see what it's yeah. like tomorrow. Um, so I guess that's good. Maybe I'm becoming more unrecognizable. You are. And so there, there's another term for this. I forget the exact term, but it's like sharing airspace. Like when you're constantly watching the news and the news is bad, like you think everything is bad, but if you share airspace with something else, that's, you know, quote unquote good, then your brain gets a break. Your body gets a break. And what's the truth of reality? Well, the truth of reality is it's a little bit of everything, but our, it's, what is our brain focused on? And it sounds like you're really learning how to like, harness the power of your filter. So good for you. Yeah. Good job. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, that's helpful. So yeah. if I cannot filter, then I will lean into the wave. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. It'll Thank help you. either way. Awesome. So who's next? Who's next? We have a big group today, my friends. Certainly somebody has something to say. Um, okay. Until somebody volunteers, I'm going to name, rename people just in case. Um, please tell me somebody has something they would like to be coached on. You can just raise your hand. Um, awesome. One more person to rename.
Okay. Here comes happy dance. Hey, happy dance. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Good, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's about as good as I ever get, so there, good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, I struggle uh, when I, okay, I'm struggling right now with Mm -hmm. one of my residents. Um, And I'm struggling because his personality and my personality do not get along. And I don't see eye to eye with the way that he like wants to practice medicine. Okay. We're going to learn more about that in a second. Yes. (laughs) When you're thinking the thought, our personalities don't get along or I don't agree with his, what did you say? Is like, I don't like his, the way that he practices medicine, just like kind of like, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't really want to take responsibility for things. Like he's just like, Oh, I'm just a resident. I can't do anything. But like, that's your job to do that. (laughs) So how would you say that in a thought about him? Like, it's one thing to say our personalities don't get along and that does not sound that bad, but it sounds like you really like, don't think he's doing it right. Yeah. I I mean, yes. And it, and it, and it really grinds on me. Like, like that's really the issue is like, it sucks all the energy out of me. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, like I hate thinking about going in and doing cases like with him. And I really am not looking forward to when he becomes a chief resident and I'm going to have to deal with that um yeah and Um, it's not like he's doing it wrong you know like it's not like he's doing something terrible or like practicing bad medicine but it's just like he's like oh that's just super complicated let's just ignore that or that's not my responsibility and like I don't have to um you know, like I, the example was like the last one that I had was um, he just didn't schedule follow up. And he said, well, I'm just um, I'm just the messenger, you know, and I'm like, you're not just the messenger. Like that's Your entire job is to make sure that patients that get discharged have good follow up and like everything was done. And like you completely missed um, a huge part of that. Okay. So you're thinking like, is he lazy? Is he irresponsible? Is he like, what's the real issue? Yeah. I think in all honesty, what really irritates me is he's already signed on for a job where he's going to just be working in the community, Mm -hmm. which is fine, but he's like every single thing that's complicated, which of course at a university hospital, (laughs) vast majority is, you know, uh, involved And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do that where I'm going to go. Oh, I'm not going to do that. So I don't need to worry about that. And you're like, well, so he's he's decided ahead of time what he needs and doesn't need, even though he's in a training program. That's right. Yes. Okay. So, but, um, so we understand that, but like, what's the thought about him? Yeah. The rub is, is like, I am. I'm annoyed. Like I'm getting angry about it. And it's like, who cares? Like, this isn't, I mean, that's his choice. That's his, you know, like, why am I, you know, like when he says that stuff, why am I getting upset about it? Why am I taking this to heart? And it kind of irritates me that I can't, um, kind of just let him do his thing. You know, like, like, I don't know why I feel like I have to sort of make a point about this. Yeah. So, well, that's interesting because your feelings are trying to tell you something, just like we talked about with the first person, like the, our feelings signal something to us. Yes. So what is it signaling to you? Is it signaling something about you or is it signaling something about him? It's going to be oh. a value, a desire, a need, a want. 
Oh, it's, I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure it's about me okay. <laughs> because, because I, I mean, I, I, and I just know that because, you know, like just how visceral and how like annoyed and irritated and frustrated I am mm-hmm. that I just know that this is more about me than it is with him. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take it out on him. You know, like I don't want to always be angry at him and, and sort of always disappointed in him mm-hmm. when in reality, like, I think this has a lot more to do with me. Um, and I'm not really sure what that's about. Do you resent him? Um, no, I don't really feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really, I don't know. I'm not really sure why it irritates me so much that he's just kind of like given up. Like he's just, you know, I'm saying this out loud and I'm wondering if it is sort of this mediocrity that he's just accepted mm. that irritates me. Maybe. Like I'm so, saying that out loud and, and it's coming like that sort of hits home. Yeah. So he's mediocre and like, okay with that. I'm a mediocre speller, my friend. I'm mediocre. <laughs> I'm a bad um, speller. So <laughs> mediocre. So he's mediocre. So I know you, I think ish a yes. little bit. And I suspect maybe you have a value system that, um, that values excellence. Yes. So that's not a problem. This kid doesn't value excellence. Suppose, you know, we think like, cause we're making judgments about him essentially. Right. That's right. Um, so, and so let's complete. So if, if it's really like, it's like one thing to say our personalities don't get along. Cause like, you know, a lot of people's personalities don't get along and it's not a, a huge deal, but if you're like, he's mediocre and it's like, that is the thing that's really bothering you or he, like, he is okay with being mediocre. Then of course you're going to be like annoyed, angry, frustrated, or whatever, irritated. Yeah. And then you'll hate thinking about doing cases. Like, why would you, you're, you strive for excellence. Why would you want to spend any time with somebody who's mediocre? Um, and you are an educator, right? Yes. So I wonder, is there anything about this where it's like, gosh, I mean, what year is this resident? Um, he's, uh, finishing his third year. So he's got two more to go. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I am kind of wondering, like hearing you say that, like, is there something about like, I almost feel like I'm wasting energy or kind of just spinning my wheels when it doesn't really matter or, or it's not, these aren't the right words, but like, he doesn't really up- like, I almost feel like he doesn't really appreciate it. And that's okay. not quite right because I, that's, that's not quite right, but sort of the concept that like, here I am doing a bunch of stuff and he's just fine being like, okay. So I just put, assume he doesn't appreciate learning. Like we're, we're judging him. And I'm, oh, not, for saying, sure. I'm not saying that that's wrong because we are like, humans are just judging machines. It's, kind of like the name of the game. It's what our, our brain, your brain's just making meaning out of the things that he's doing. Um, but it is a story that it's telling. Maybe it's correct and maybe it isn't. Like we don't know, but it's clearly causing you discomfort. That's right. And that's where I'm really struggling with is like, I'm always like, I always kind of feel on edge and just sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, like not very happy about things. And I can't really just relax and just sort of enjoy, um, you know, being around the residents and doing surgery and, in in just my day-to-day life. And like, he's making me kind of on edge and I don't like that. That's sort of the interactions that I continue to have. Yeah. So a hundred percent agree that I'm judging him and it's not fair. And that's part of what I don't like. Well, um, I mean, because maybe it's, about it's me. fair, maybe it isn't like, we don't know. Yeah, but but it's more about me than it is about him. And like, that's, I mean, he's not here to get training from, you know, an attending that's super judgy about him. Like that seems kind of crappy. Yeah. So it's interesting how like you have thoughts about this guy 
that is basically like judgments about him. And again, that's, that's okay. Cause we're humans and we judge all the time and maybe they're true and maybe they aren't, but it's clearly impacting you and how you show up. Right. Yeah. Because there's no way you're going to be able to teach this guy. If you're like, don't want to be around him. Right. So do you like the way that you're showing up? Like the part that you actually do have responsibility for, like you don't have responsibility for him and his thoughts and feelings. Only he has responsibility for that. And you have responsibility for yours. And do you like how you're showing up to your responsibility in the relationship? No. Yeah. Not, not at all. Yeah. And so it's funny too, when you say like, he makes me blah, blah, blah. We all do this. We all use this language, but he, he doesn't make you do it. Your thoughts about it make you feel a certain way. And I think that's a really important lesson for all of this because we're so used to thinking like, oh, they make me so mad, but it's not actually them. It's right. what we're thinking about them. And so then if we just take that moment to kind of detach a little bit and just say, okay, it's my thoughts about him that are making me feel this way, whether or not they're like true, doesn't matter. The whole idea is, is to just separate yourself. Um, the other thing is, is you have responsibility to your patients and, you know, you have responsibility to yourself. You are an educator. So that's, I'm assuming part of your responsibility and then your responsibility to your patients. And so like, and then somebody actually asked this, Jubilee asked, is it a problem to reprimand or discipline him for his attitude, especially if it may affect patient care, like not scheduling follow-up? Um, like these are pretty basic things that are required to be a physician practicing in the United States, like basic things. So, um, like if you have a responsibility to that stuff, how is yeah, that meaning into all of it? I mean, I, I hundred percent agree that, you know, there's a discussion to be had about, and, and I certainly have had these with him of, you know, you have to do these things and you, and you do have to challenge yourself and, you know, you do have to do the, the basics, even though you've signed, you know, that's a different thing. But I think where I get really irritated with myself is I kind of let my anger drive that conversation instead of, you know, really giving him my best. I'm giving him kind of a, like, I'm not reacting well to it. And I think that's really more of the issue. Like his behavior is one thing. And like, that's a separate, you know, like in the, in terms of like reprimanding or, or sort of disciplining or, or correcting and things like that, that's different. Yeah. My issue is like the way I'm showing up, mm-hmm. just as you said, like, I don't like it. I don't like that. Um, I'm kind of letting him have control over yeah. my reaction to it. And, mm-hmm. and that irritates me that I can't quite, um, you know, get past that. And I can't, and I, and I, it probably, I need to sort of really sit through this concept of like that value. Cause I really didn't think about that, but there is some of that, that I don't like that he is just okay with being okay. Yeah. And maybe that there's like uh, more to learn too, because right now, just like I was saying with the first person, your yeah. filter can only see all the stuff this guy does wrong. Right. Like your filter is so focused on him being a shit show that he like, there's no way you're going to be able to see anything else. So I think too, it's really important when we're kind of considering um, kind of our role in any relationship is like, number one, is it open or closed? And just assuming all these things about him, whether or not they're true, but just having the assumption ahead of time that they are true really closes you off to anything else. So is there a way to have just a more open, like an open stance to him? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to think about that for sure about how to, I mean, kind of how to go into these conversations where I'm, you know, trying to put that judgment aside and, and really kind of hearing 
a little bit more of him and, and honestly, maybe just letting him be okay, like letting it be okay. I mean, obviously, you know, the patients that he's taking care of, that's, that's a different story, but mm-hmm. you know, if he chooses not to be the best resident in the world, um, that's on him. And I have yes. to kind of just figure out how to navigate that and, 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 and let that be without just sort of giving up. Right. Cause that's also the other classic, like, you know, whenever you sucked at something, then like, you know, the, the attendings would always just like ignore you. And I don't want to do that either because yeah. I'm trying yeah. to do it better than I was shown. Um, yeah. <laughs> I totally understand what you're saying. And so there's such an opportunity for growth here for you. And, yeah. um, like, this is so funny that I have, I have an example of something that happened to me over the weekend, just the same thing. Um, and I adore my residents. Like that's the primary thing I'm going to miss when I kind of switch out of full-time orthopedics, but they didn't write a note on my patient two for two dates. And the patient was admitted to another service, but they were there because they have like a three extremity trauma and like orthopedics is basically running the show, even though the, he's not admitted to us. I'm like, you cannot not write a note, right? Like, I don't care how much you hate it here. You still have to do your job. Like there's yeah. a requirement, but I got really angry and it's like, I don't get angry very often. So they know when I'm angry, I really mean it. And I just had to like, give myself a cooling off period because I didn't, I didn't want to be around the dude this morning. So I actually, um, had a conversation with the chief looped him in because there's a lot of like internal education that can happen too. That's really healthy and good. Cause these are all adults for crying out loud. Right. And sometimes it's like nice when the chief maybe has like a little bit of a different perspective or a little bit of a different, um, influence, I guess. And I just, I'm like, okay, first and foremost, is everybody okay? Like, are we all okay? Is everybody like, are you stressed to the max? Like making sure they're all okay. Yes. Everybody's okay. And then it's like, all right, you know, I realize that things are tough here and that you're all worn out and blah, blah, blah. Cause they just submitted this letter saying how much they hate. Um, I'm sorry if there's a resident on the call today, I'm not trying to bash residents. I'm really not. I love them so, so much. I'm very proud of them for trying to advocate for themselves, but it's one thing to advocate and then like abdicate, right? We cannot abdicate responsibilities. So I had a nice talk with the chief and then the chief handled it um, kind of internally. And this morning I had clinic with the first person I was talking about. And when I saw him, I like immediately felt myself go into like that anger mode. And then I was like, wait Mm -hmm. a second. He's like, Hey, Dr. McMichael, I'm like, it's so great to be here today working with you. And, and um, like, I went ahead and put a cast on that kid this morning. And, and it was kind of like, okay, like we're, we're back in business and I'm just sharing this to number one, tell you that you're not alone because anybody who works with residents is going to face this stuff. And those of us who care, we care about them. Like sometimes more than they care about themselves. I think. Yes. We care about their development so much. And that was verbal diarrhea. But what I wanted to point out to you is that, (laughs) What I wrote, I don't know if you can see this, but what I wrote in your result is, is what you said, I'm not my best. So isn't it interesting how the thought is he's mediocre and the result is you're, I'm not going to say mediocre, but you're not your best. I agree. And that's why it's so unsettling to me that like, this is where I kind of keep going with him. And I'm like, this doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. And yet I keep just defaulting into this. Yeah. So this is a question I ask myself and I ask my clients to ask when they're faced with a little bit of a struggle. It's like, number one, like what's working well or how is this working for me? So if I don't like how something's going and I have that closed stance, just asking the question, how is this working for me can just help me like open a little bit. And then your brain will start to kind of like pick out ways in which it's working for you. Like maybe this relationship that you have with this person will actually help you develop into an even more profoundly wonderful teacher 
or um, I, I mean, I can think of a number of different ways that you could benefit. Okay. So are there any that you could think of if you think, well, how is this relationship with this person actually working for you? Um, well, I mean, it certainly is going to challenge me. And in, I just sat down to have kind of a one-on-one -on -one meeting with this person because I'm, I'm obligated to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we talked through a lot of different things and kind of the feedback of all the faculty. And um, one of the things that kind of came out of it was I, um, <clears throat> okay, this person is not going to be on the call. And this is like not going to reveal a whole lot because I don't want to reveal a whole lot. But yeah, somebody had said something pretty inflammatory that I knew would not be very, um, it would not be very pleasant for him to hear. And I, and I knew yeah. that, and I, and I really prefaced it. And I said, you know, I just want you to know that when you do these sorts of behaviors, this is how people are viewing it. And mm -hmm. I don't think it's true. And I don't think you want it to be this way, but here's, you know, sort of the adjectives that they were using to describe your behavior. And, um, and I think in the past, if I wouldn't have sort of sat down and really thought about how I was going to interact with this person and kind of defaulted, I probably would have just sort of spilled that out and just sort of, you know, been like, <laughs> see, everyone thinks that you're like this. Yeah. Um, but instead I sort of said, I, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And it was amazing kind of how he responded to that and was like, I don't ever want to be that way. He's like, you're really good at your job to motivate me to do better. And I was like, wait, that's what it took. Okay. <laughs> so it's probably going to take me outside of the box, mm. outside of my comfort zone to be able to challenge him in ways that he's just never thought that he needed challenged before, you know, like to, to try to find little ways that I can be, you know, my big thing whenever I'm trying to teach residents is to be very personalized towards them yeah, and to challenge them to be better. So like the best resident in the world I'm still going to challenge them to be better. And the one that's struggling, well, we obviously can pick out the points where we need to do better, mm -hmm. but, you know, to find these little hidden gems where somebody can really, you know, shine and really show off how great they are. Um, and so maybe that kind of helped me to figure out like, I don't know how to sort of personalize it and, and be more creative with my approach to it. I don't know. I don't, that's well, not a very good English thought. I know I'm not very no, good at English language. It's <laughs> wonderful. You're amazing at the English language. And what you just described was having like an open stance, right? Right. If you're open to making things personalized and you're open to just understanding that, you know, you're going to judge the guy because you're a human being and that's okay. You don't have to believe what you say. Like I judge people all the time and I'll be like, oh yeah, like, that's, that's not a problem. Like, I know that may not be true. You can just right. like, even give yourself the out, like, maybe I am right, but maybe I'm not. It doesn't matter because it's not going to help you to be like stuck in judgment. It can just be there and just like be done. And then have this open stance that you have where you still get to be committed to the person you want to be. And what you just described is, is that he actually like having a relationship with this person potentially could help you to be more excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I, have to pick out those little moments that, um, and God, I give this advice to residents all the time. I'm like, you know, whenever somebody's not really, you know, pulling their weight or whatever, like you have to challenge yourself to find ways that you can um, see the good in that situation and what you can take out of it. And I just need to heed my own advice. Like you're giving me that advice. Yeah. So you already know like what to do and, yeah. and then it's okay if he annoys you. Yeah. Like sometimes right? that will happen. That's yeah. fine. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we we're all just human beings after all. And I do think too, it's, we we're adults. It's so funny how oftentimes when we're dealing with residents or we're even talking about residents, and I'm not saying that you're doing this right now, but I was talking with somebody else the other day 
And I was like, how old are you? And he's like 30. And I was like, yeah, okay. So you're an adult here. Like we, I don't need to treat you like a toddler. And Mm -hmm. if you worked in a bank, your branch manager is not going to come down and scold you like you're four years old. Like this is ridiculous how we kind of talk to each other sometimes. Um, But the reason I was saying that is, is he's an adult and you can let him be responsible for himself, which can really help us to grow when we're like not trying to take control of how other people are. Yeah. This is a classic manual thing too, just for the people listening. Like we have manuals for how we think other people should act. And when we do, when we, um, when they don't kind of live according to our manuals, it is very, very upsetting. It's like annoying and frustrating, but that's the other thing. It's like, Oh, I just have a manual for this guy. That's not a problem. Of course you do. You're a teacher. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And you can want him to be excellent till the day you die. And he cannot want to be excellent till the day he dies. And that's also okay. And then how to figure out for yourself, how to like live with that and not let it change who you are. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I, I have, uh, I a hundred percent agree about the adult learners. It's super fun to have adult learners, (laughs) Um, but at moments you're like, uh, I should stop treating them like children. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I hope that was helpful, but you're a human being. We all are. And it's not going to be the last time this happens. No, I'm going to be annoyed, I'm sure, again, but I think hopefully I can look at it with a little different perspective and um, not let myself get kind of wrapped up in it. Yeah. And I'll leave you with this. Like we had one person recently who decided to basically stop doing orthopedics and he was finishing up his third year of orthopedics. So he would have two more years to go of his residency and he would rather stop this, start over in family practice and do three more years of residency and become a family practice doctor than it would be to continue to complete an orthopedic surgery residency. And I thought that that took quite a bit of courage and self-awareness because he could do some similar behaviors to what you're describing. But instead of like nugging it out, he recognized this isn't for me. Like this just isn't me. It's not what I want to do. And I don't know how he was able to do that because it's not, they just rotate at my hospital. I'm not really involved with their program in any other way. And I'm like, well, wow. Like, how did he have the self-awareness to understand that his performance is actually reflective of the fact that he doesn't really want to do this? And Mm -hmm. I wonder, too, if us as educators, if there is a way for us to help people understand more about themselves, so, or at least give them opportunities to learn more about themselves. So they know, are we just creating a bunch of people who thought they wanted to be a urologist or an orthopedic surgeon or a bariatric surgeon or a ENT when they jumped on the crazy train? Like, how do we ever really know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of my goals is to try to help people. So it's not quite as miserable in residency as it was you know, for me, I mean, not that I was, I mean, you know, but we all talk about how much crap we went through and it's like, I, I agree that we need to start helping them figure out the the process a lot more than just the medicine. Correct. You know, for people who jump on that train when they're so young, like I jumped on the train when I was 17 years old, like I had a beeline for this job. Like who the hell was I? I don't know. I'm like barely figuring that out now. Um, And your life is like anchored to this one thing. Uh, I don't know. I'm like getting way out there right now. (laughs) Going (laughs) off on a tangent about identity and stuff. But when people are behaving in a certain way, that's not in line with what you would expect for a resident at that level. It's like, makes me wonder like what's going on there. Yeah. And it's true. Like, uh, I don't know how to help. I mean, that's a really hard thing to kind of open up. I, I do think he wants to be in the field. Uh, I do think that, but 
but it's true. I mean, I've had other residents that I have kind of wondered, are they, are they really in the right place? Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing this to us. Is there anything else you wanted to add? No, uh, I, uh, I appreciate the help a lot. This is, this will help me kind of process through a little bit. This is a good start. I'm glad. Okay, folks, that takes us to 6 p.m. We really appreciate it. We had a very big turnout today, so I hope everybody enjoyed, and then we'll see you next time. Thank you.